Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews with your host, Aaron Martell. Hello there and welcome to the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews podcast. I am Aaron Martell and each week I'm going to be selecting an album of music and I'm going to be talking about it and analyzing it. So this is the very first episode, and I am flying solo. I have no co-pilots. And this week I have picked the 1974 self-titled debut studio album from KISS. Now when I started this podcast, I knew I'd have to pick a KISS record first. I've been into this band a very long time, since a very young age. My uncle had the first album. It was 1976, I was six years old, and he had the album Destroyer. And I looked at the album cover, and I saw these four guys in these costumes. They looked like superheroes to me. And at the time, I was into comic books and superheroes, so I just asked him, can I hear this? I want to hear what noise that these people are making. He said, sure. He put it on the turntable and gave me some headphones, and I listened to Destroyer, and I was just blown away. I couldn't get enough of it. I asked him if he had any more Kiss music, and he showed me the album cover to the Alive, Alive 1, the first Alive record. And then I saw that they were real people actually playing instruments and they weren't just cartoon characters. And again, I was just blown away. I became obsessed with this band for the next four years. And during that time, I collected the toys, the records, the merchandise, and the band provided a lot of that. They really pushed it out there. They're kind of pioneers in that. But oddly enough, during all that time I was collecting Kiss stuff, I never picked up the first album. Um, I had just about all the other ones, you know, Hotter Than Hell, Dress to Kill, The Alives, Destroyer, Rock and Roll Over, Love Gun, but I never got the first album. I have no real reason why, I just never collected it. At some point, I stopped listening to Kiss. Whether I outgrew them, or I was listening to other bands and other music, it was probably a combination of all that. But around 1983, the band took their makeup off, and I became interested in Kiss music again, and I wanted to acquire the back catalog, you know, the music that I loved as a kid again. By this time, I wasn't listening to vinyl records, I was listening to cassette tapes, so I slowly started collecting the cassettes of all the back Kiss music, and I finally picked up the first album. So there's my own personal quick history with the band in this record, and now before we get into the track-by-track -track review, I'm going to give you a little basic facts ripped straight from the internet and Wikipedia so you know all this information is correct. Okay, Kiss is the debut studio album by American rock band KISS, released on February 18, 1974 on Casablanca Records. It was produced by Kenny Kerner and Richie Wise at Bell Sound Studios in New York City. It reached number 87 on the U.S. Billboard charts and is certified gold. I'm going to assume if you're listening to this podcast, you like KISS or at least have some interest in this band. But just in case you have absolutely no clue about the band and who we're talking about, I'm going to give you a quick lineup card. So KISS is Paul Stanley on lead vocals and rhythm guitars. Gene Simmons, bass guitars and lead vocals. Ace Fraley, lead guitar. And Peter Chris on the drums and lead vocals. And this record kicks off with a good one. The first track is Strutter, written by Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. Everybody says she's
Okay, so things get going with a nice up-tempo rocker. Nothing too fancy here. It's interesting to note that Gene's bass playing is playing a melodic run underneath the basic chords that are being played by the guitar players. Gene Simmons is an underrated bass player. He's very influenced by Paul McCartney. Now, I'm not saying he's on the level of a Paul McCartney. He's certainly no Geddy Lee. He's certainly no John Entwistle. But he's a fine bass player, especially for the music that's being played here. He does a really good job. Paul sings lead on this one, and the lyrics are just basically about an attractive woman that he admires walking down the street. She seems to have no problem leaving her admirers in the dust. It's got a good catchy chorus and great lead guitar work from Ace. It's a great song to kick off the album. There's going to be a theme running through this episode here. The Alive version, the version on Alive 1, is much, much better than this studio version. Uh, the production on this record has always been called into question. It's kind of thin. It's kind of dry. It doesn't really show you the power of this band. But the Alive version of this song really does. It really slams you in the face. It's loud. It's rocking. I strongly recommend that track over this one. But we're talking about the first record. And as such, it's a good song. The next track is Nothing to Lose, written by Gene Simmons. This is Hard Boogie Rock, uh, sung by Gene. It's got another catchy chorus with Peter Chris shouting responses in between the song titles. Uh, very good, very effective. The song is famous for Gene trying to get a lady friend to try anal sex. Uh, this is one of the better butt sex songs you'll ever hear. I don't much care for the boogie piano that comes in towards the end of the song. I don't think it's necessary at all. As a matter of fact, this is another song where I believe that the version on Alive is much, much better. It's much heavier, more rocking. Peter really shouts out his responses, and it's awesome. When I got this on cassette after I started collecting the albums again, for some reason on this album, the very first record, they didn't have the studio version of this song. They had the Alive version of Nothing to Lose, which is a great track, like I said, but it was very, very odd. It took me until years later when I started collecting CDs that I finally got to own this studio version. It is a very good song. I just don't think that the version on this record is the best one. Next up, we've got Firehouse, written by Paul Stanley. Get the firehouse! song was a staple in the band's live set for years. It also was the song where Gene Simmons did his fire breathing trick. It's a very slow, plodding rocker. I mean, it's good. I like the riff, but it's way too slow. Uh, another song about a hot girl. I do like the woo-woo, yeah, hook. Very cool. The version on a live pulverizes this version. That is definitely the way to go when you're listening to this song. Firehouse, it is a Kiss classic. I think it's one of the lesser ones. Good tune. Track number four, we have Cold Gin, written by Mr. Ace Fraley. Ooh, it's cold gin time again. You know 
another staple. The band played this for years and years. The lyrics are about procuring the title alcohol, which the guy, the narrator, needs. It's just basically, it's a drinking song, very Ace Frehley. If you know anything about his history, you know it's very much Ace's personality. It's sung by Gene, though, because Ace hadn't found his balls yet and was too afraid to sing lead at this point. But Gene has a very sleazy tone to his voice. He sings the song great. It's got an extended bridge that picks up a faster pace, has a different and excellent riff. This one is an absolute Kiss classic. On the Alive version, in the beginning of it, Paul Stanley has this rap where he's talking about, I know that all these wants a vodka and orange juice, and trying to get the crowd pumped up before the song begins. Great song, absolute Kiss standard. For the last song on side one, or track five if you've got the CD, we've got Let Me Know, written by Paul Stanley. song Gene and Paul trade lead vocals which is interesting first time you hear that on record as apparently it was the very first song Paul Stanley played for Gene when they first met and at the time it was called Sunday Driver and Gene was apparently impressed by it he thought he was the only person who wrote songs in the world except for John Lennon and Paul McCartney so this actually sowed the seeds for what would later become Kiss it's just a basic rocker, you know, he's wanting to get the girl. The song, for me, is just a little bit disjointed. There's different pieces kind of mashed together. Uh, the riff is okay. The song is okay. I can take it or leave it, though. This is definitely one of the lesser songs for me on the album. But because of its importance to the history of the band, I'll give it a pass. It's good. So we flip the record over to side two, or track six, and we've got Kissin' Time, written by Val Mann and Bernie Lowe. got a cover song here. The lead vocals are shared by Gene, Paul, and Peter Chris. This song was not on the original pressing of the album, but its backstory is a little weird too. Originally, this song was a top 20 hit for Bobby Rydell in 1959. The president of Casablanca Records was a colorful guy named Neil Bogart. He saw that the album was kind of tanking after its release. This wasn't selling very well. So as a gimmick, he had the band record this as a single, and he tried to promote it with kissing contests, and things like that. He was hoping to get a top 40 hit. The band did release this as a single. It made it to number 83. And thereafter, it was thrown on the album, probably also at Neil Bogart's request. The band was not happy about this. They didn't want it on there. And I totally agree with them. This really doesn't belong. It, it sticks out like a sore thumb. This is what I would call Aaron's Stinky Stinker. And what I mean by that is it's my least favorite song on the album. Whenever you hear me say Aaron Stinky Stinker, that's what it means. I don't hate it. It's okay. It's actually interesting and kind of fun for the novelty of it, but it definitely doesn't belong in this album, and it definitely doesn't make a statement for what this band is all about. Basically, for me, it's just dumb, goofy fun, inconsequential. Next up, we have Deuce, written by Gene Simmons. Even if you're feeling good. 
this song is sung by Gene, and it's arguably his greatest song he's ever written. You definitely could make a case for that. It was used as the opening song for their shows in the early days, and they revived it for the 1996 reunion tour. It was the opening number. It's a powerful, driving rocker. Apparently, Ace Frehley stated that this is his favorite Kiss song. It's basically ripped from the Rolling Stones song, Bitch, which you can definitely hear if you play them back to back. Awesome A solo. Apparently this was the very first song that the band as a unit rehearsed together. It's the very first song that they worked on. So this definitely has a special place in history. On the Alive record, it's the very first track that's played and it is a powerhouse. It really blasts out of the speakers and you really get a feel for the live power of this band. I think it destroys the version on this album. This album is good. It gets you a feel for the song, but you've got to hear it on Alive. Whenever I make a playlist of Kiss and I put Deuce in there, it's always the Alive version of this song. I mean, what can I say about Deuce? It is one of the very, very best Kiss songs. Let's move on now to the next track, which is Love Theme from Kiss, written by the entire band. This song is an instrumental. It's actually a snippet of a longer composition called Acrobat, which I believe you can hear a live version on. I think they released it on the KISS box set. You can hear the entire uh, Acrobat song. It's good, maybe a little bit repetitive. It's not stellar, it's mid-tempo. Gene's bass is a little bit interesting. Overall, this is not a highlight of the record, but there aren't a lot of KISS instrumentals in their history. So just for it being that, it's pretty cool. I don't hate it though. I don't skip it when it comes up. It is what it is. We're getting towards the end of the record now. We've got 100,000 Years, written by Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons. <laughs> cool bass riff starts the song and kind of drives it as it goes along. Paul sings the lead vocal. His inflections on it are great. There's more tasty soloing from Ace. Live now on the very first live record, this is the only song I actually favor the studio cut to the live version. The reason why is the 100,000 Years on Alive has this big giant middle section with a drum solo by Peter, which is okay. I mean, I kind of like that. But then Paul does this extended rap with the audience. Do you believe in rock and roll? And it just gets tedious and it drags the song on and on. I think it extends over 10 minutes. Actually, I really didn't care for this song much until I heard it on the first album and I went, oh, okay, this is pretty good. Now it's actually one of my favorites on the album and it's gone from a track that I would ordinarily skip to one I would never dream of skipping, one of my favorite Kiss songs, actually. And finally, we've got the last track on the album, Black Diamond, written by Paul Stanley. Um.
starts off with a soft acoustic part and Paul singing gently, and then you hear Peter's drumsticks click, click, click. Paul yells, hit it! Bang! It goes into a heavy rocker. This is, I fucking love this song. This is my favorite song on this album. Peter's scratchy, raspy voice really fits this song, fits the lyrics about a prostitute. Ace plays another outstanding solo, and the song ends with a slower coda that Ace solos over. This is totally a live staple. They play this song to this day, always towards the end of the show. It's very rare that they don't play this song. It is a Kiss classic of Kiss classics. It's right up there with their very greatest songs. The only problem I have with it is at the very end on this record, it slows down. And I don't get it. I wish that they ended it the way they do in concert. On the compilation album Double Platinum, they do mess with it a little bit. They don't go into that whole slowdown fade. They actually restart the song from the beginning with the acoustic part, and then they fade it out with the song beginning again. It's really odd, actually, to listen to. I'm not even sure if I like it or not. I guess I kind of prefer it to this one here. you think they could do something a little bit different, make it better. But anyway, love this song. Can't say enough about it. So that finishes the track by track. Now I'm going to go into a rating system. It's going to be very simple for me. It's going to be from zero to five. Zero being an absolute piece of shit. Never want to listen to it again. To five being not so much a perfect album, but as a favorite of mine. Like every song doesn't have to be perfect for it to be a five. They're just my favorite records. The ones I will listen to over and over and over until the end of time. That being said, I will give Kiss Kiss a four and a half. Uh, this is where it all begins for this band. It's a testament to the strength of these songs that the band plays roughly half of this album regularly live to this day. As I said earlier, the production could be a little bit better. Well, the production could be a lot better, actually. It would make these songs sound much more powerful. But it is what it is. It's a document of a young, hungry band in the early 70s going out to conquer the world. They would end up doing it a few years later. And there's a rawness to this record that still is very effective, even now. I mean, I'm a huge KISS fan. I've stuck with this band through thick and thin, through all the years, different lineup changes, taking the makeup off, putting it back on. And this band has done quite a bit, in my opinion, to try to drive me away from them, especially in recent years. But if you pin me in a corner, I still have to say that this is my favorite band of all time, probably because of its direct link to my childhood and how important they were to me then. I've always been a fan. I guess I'll never not be a fan. So there it is. Kiss Kiss. Now I'd like to give a shout out to some other podcasts that I listen to. Uh, Kiss has a whole bunch of podcasts dedicated only to them. I listen to quite a few of them and I want to point out three of my favorites. The first one is Podkissed. Podfather, Ken Mills and Gary Schaller. Great show. Very informative. Very funny. The second one is Kistory Science Theater. Des, Adam and Lee. Absolutely hilarious. I always look forward to hearing that show. And finally... Pot of Thunder. It's a weekly show. Another three guys. Very, very funny. And they break down the KISS catalog song by song. So each episode, they take one song from the catalog at random and break it down. Crack jokes. They're hilarious too. So I just want to give a shout out to those three podcasts. And I strongly recommend to anybody who listens to this podcast, check out those shows. They'll show you how to do it better. And that's the first episode. I hope you like what you heard. If you are interested in coming on the show and talking about an album with me, it doesn't have to be about Kiss. It could be Kiss. Hey, maybe you're a Kiss fan. You want to talk about another Kiss record? I'd be happy to do that. I'm willing to talk about any rock record that you're interested in. You can contact me at RidiculousRockRecords, one word, RidiculousRockRecords at gmail.com, 
or you can post your comments on the Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page. If you want to talk to me about anything, if you want to give me feedback about the podcast, if you want to give a request for an album that you want to hear reviewed and you don't want to come on the show, that's fine. You can contact me at those two places and let me know. And keep listening to this channel for Siblings on Record, which is basically this show with a permanent co-pilot, my sister Shannon. We're looking forward to getting that up and running, and we're going to post those episodes here as well. So we'll keep coming out with new material for you. And lastly, thank you so much for giving this a listen, and a massive thank you if you like and support the show. My name is Aaron, and I'll catch you later. we have douche written by gene simmons because when your man's working hard he's worth a douche ain't that right ladies ugh that was horrible that joke oh my god get the fuck out of here you barmint you piece of shit ugh that was horrible we're gonna edit that shit out